Hey there, lovely souls. I'm your host, Allison Toth, and I want to give you a warm welcome to Wishing You Wellness, the podcast where mental health meets spirituality. When it comes to rock bottom, I've been there more than once, and I know what it's like to wake up daily to mental health struggles. On this podcast, I share insight and stories to help motivate and inspire you and to help you feel less alone in this. In Wishing You Wellness, we talk inner child healing, mindset shifts, radical self-love, the art of intentional living, and so much more. Think of me as your mental wellness bestie. If you're ready to step into your power and change your life, just hit play. Hello, you guys. Oh my goodness. I wanted to record this episode outside because there's, well, there were, I wonder if you can hear that or if I sound crazy. There were beautiful birds chirping and just nice little sounds. And then the neighbors next door's chickens started going batshit crazy. So let me pause and see if you guys can hear that. Well, I just listened back to that, and not only could you hear the chickens screaming, you could also hear police sirens at the end. And if that's not some St. Louis stuff, I don't know what is. Yes, I'm in a suburb right now, and there are chickens. Don't worry. It's okay with their ordinance, apparently, and their neighbors are chill with it. I'm house-sitting. You know. You know the vibes. Um, It's been awesome. I'm hanging out with this basset hound whose name is Salvador Doggy. Like the painting Salvador Dali, he is incredible. He is floppy, just like that painting with the little clocks by Salvador Dali. And it's amazing. So this episode, you guys, actually just came to me. Um, And it's based off personal experience, something that I'm actively going through. And it's going to be very raw and very vulnerable. And I wouldn't be shocked if I shed a tear. So if I do, no judgments. (laughs) It's all good. But thank you guys. If it's your first time here, maybe start with a different episode. I don't know, because this one's going to be like, if you already know me pretty well, you're going to like understand this episode more, I think. So maybe go back and listen to a couple or just jump in. Um, If you've been here before, hi, I love you. I love you all. Thanks for being here. And today we're actually going to talk about unpacking our trauma and loving on our inner child a little bit actually a lot. So it was really funny because today it really comes out of nowhere sometimes. And something I've noticed is a lot of times we spend time alone, but it's not very intentional time alone. We'll be alone, but we have our phone right next to us face up. And every time we get a notification, we check it. So that ends up being every couple minutes or we have our laptop nearby and we're low-key peeping over at our emails or you know we have the tv on in the background there's sound there's noise it's not very often that we spend intentional time alone until we learn that until we learn how to do that or why we should do that actually and so today instead of grabbing my phone and scrolling through my wishing you wellness instagram feed first thing in the morning i decided to come outside i had my coffee i had my little bowl of cbd and i just sat there listening to the birds looking around taking it all in and a lot of stuff started coming up for me and then i got a voice memo from a family member and we just had a heart to heart and we were able to open up to each other and really speak in a way that we hadn't been able to before. And I just, I felt myself just start crying and like the tears started flowing 
Because a lot of things came up that I didn't even realize I had been feeling. A lot of times we suppress things so far down that we don't even know what we're feeling in the moment or in general. And so we kind of go through life, I think, sometimes so distracted and so busy seeking distractions that we don't even fully understand what's going on in our own mind and our own heart. And that's the most important thing, you guys, to understand and to like fully embrace what's going on inside of you. And if you're always distracted, how can you do that? And we live in a distracted era. We really do. This generation, we were raised on iPhones and Hulu and Netflix and, you know, just spending time online and computers and gaming. And so it's not like this is something that we were all born with, right? This is a very societal thing. Hell, some people distract themselves with work, with sex, with porn, with gambling, with shopping, with overeating. I mean, whatever it is, distractions everywhere you look. And so getting back, coming for a full circle because I kind of went down a little rabbit hole there. I had this beautiful conversation with one of my family members and I was able to talk about things I hadn't been able to before. And what inspired this was literally just me sitting on that porch by myself. I'd been sitting out there for like 30 minutes, just in silence, just like sitting with my feelings and just like thinking and not really thinking about anything in particular, but just giving my brain the space to think and letting thoughts come up. Because I feel like often for me, the only time I get that experience is during yoga, which is awesome, except for the fact that I only do one to two hours of yoga a week. So how exactly can I process all of the thousands and thousands of thoughts that go through my head every day if I only have a couple hours a week when I'm genuinely tuned in with that. So this all comes into mindfulness, right? Which is a different rabbit hole for a different day. I feel like my thoughts are a little bit all over the place, but because I think it's because like, I want to be so transparent with you guys. I literally just cried for like an hour and a half because I processed so much at once. And one of the big things that I processed was, so most of you know, I have bipolar one. Um, It was misdiagnosed for years and years as bipolar two, which to someone on the outside doesn't seem like a big misdiagnosis, but the difference, the key difference between bipolar one and two is that bipolar two, you experience hypomania, which is, you know, still mania, the fast talking, the not being able to sleep, the over confidence, overspending, um, being impulsive, etc., followed by periods of depression. Bipolar one can include these episodes where you're unable to stop, essentially. Um, and a lot of the times that means you're hospitalized or you have to be given some kind of medication to sedate you in that moment or you need to be taking an antipsychotic, which is what I've been doing because I decided to not go the benzo route anymore. Um, but yeah, so I had this misdiagnosis as bipolar 2 for the longest time. And so they didn't really treat the bipolar super seriously. Um, I just did therapy and I took an antidepressant, but that was it. And so I finally saw a psychiatrist who really heard me and let me know that, yes, I do have bipolar one and I also have borderline personality disorder. And they did comment that I am doing well with my recovery and I have a very good prognosis. Um, Something that not many people know is that 
over 50% of people with borderline can recover. And by recover, I mean your symptoms will alleviate and you will no longer have these tendencies and you will be able to control um, your actions and your words, etc. And it's not easy recovering from borderline personality disorder because a lot of people who have borderline don't want to believe that they do, right? Because it is very common for people with borderline to have a victim mindset and a me versus the world mindset and people are out to get me and people want to see me fall. And so a lot of times when you try to approach somebody who has borderline, they may take that as an attack. And so I wasn't ready to accept this diagnosis until like a year ago when I finally looked in the mirror after, you know, like five or six relationships that failed the exact same way. And I was like, shit, I may be the problem. Yeah, I'm the problem. Um, But the other forms of recovery for BPD are things like DBT therapy, which is, oh, how do you say it? dialectal behavioral therapy, which is essentially a therapy method that teaches you how to appropriately respond to things and regulate your emotions. So it's a lot of coping skills. It's a lot of kind of tracking your moods and emotions and um, tracking your motivation to stay in therapy, stay on meds. It's a lot of consistency and routine. It's kind of like school is what I tell people. Like I have this workbook for borderline that I've been doing It's all kind of activities um, and it's all about learning to accept the diagnoses because that's the first step. See where you're at, not hate yourself for where you're at and know that you can get better and know that you can do better. And something, well, before I say this, hold on, let's get back to where we were at. So full, full circle, the wound that I began to process today on this back porch of the house that I'm house sitting was my relationship with my borderline personality disorder because I made peace with my bipolar a long time ago. Um, Not a crazy long time ago, but at least a year or two ago, or maybe three, because bipolar, I think, is starting to become much more understood. There is science that proves there are chemicals in my brain that make me experience these highs and lows. There are chemicals in my brain that make me experience these sensations and these crazy ideas that I have in the middle of the night. And I shouldn't say crazy. I'm learning to not speak negatively of myself. Let's say these grand ideas that I have in the middle of the night. But the point I'm making is bipolar is starting to be more understood, normalized, and accepted. Borderline personality disorder. On the other hand, I think it's becoming normalized but also very very stigmatized every time i open my instagram there's a post that says recovering from borderline abuse recovering from abuse with a borderline Um, how to avoid borderlines in relationships blah 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 and i hate you know hearing borderlines as a term i think it should be and i'm working on saying more someone who has borderline personality disorder, it's a little more like human friendly and I'm still learning. I probably have dropped the ball even in this episode, but I think it feels a lot better than being like, oh, that's a schizophrenic. Like, no, that's someone with schizophrenia. Anyway, as I was saying, borderline is kind of seen in a very, very dark light 
these are abusive people, these are people who are dangerous, these are people who are unstable, and most of all, the most frequent one I've heard, these are people who are incapable of change and are incapable of seeing what they do wrong. I have seen these narratives on Instagram, I've seen them on TikTok, I've seen them all over the place. And with the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard case getting so much publicity and being the most looked up thing on the internet right now, it hasn't been good for the borderline personality disorder, uh, I don't want to say community because we're not proud of this. This is something we're recovering from, but the group of people with borderline personality disorder because now people are going, oh, this woman on TV was caught abusing her husband and does not feel regret and is unapologetic about it. People with borderline personality disorder are inherently like that. And the truth is, There are a lot of people with borderline who are abusive and who also have narcissistic personality disorder overlap, and that can trigger even more abuse. But there are also a ton of people with borderline personality disorder who feel those abusive tendencies, like maybe being a little controlling with their partner or maybe feeling themselves start to gaslight, but then want to stop it and want to get better and seek help. Um, because to be so transparent with you guys, when I was a teenager and when I was in my early twenties, all the way up to, I think I'd say 21, 22. Yeah. Probably the end of 22. Um, (laughs) Salvador doggy is trying to get on the couch. (laughs) They keep distracting me because they're so cute. But back on track up until about the age of 22, almost 23, when I had this sort of self-awareness awakening, I struggled deeply with gaslighting, especially in my relationships. It was something that I really did a lot of and I I feel, you know, so much regret for now, but I didn't know then what I know now. And the thing with borderline personality disorder is a lot of the traits are things like feeling super empty and feeling super, super lonely and deeply wanting to connect to people around you, but also feeling afraid because you're scared of abandonment. And so there's a lot of internal conflict. It's like, I love you. I hate you. Please stay with me. Get away from me. Never leave me. That's what's going on in the mind of somebody with borderline personality disorder. Um, Something I think that's really sad is we've actually began to normalize traits of borderline personality disorder to the extent where people don't even know that they have it until later in life. For me, when I was 16, 17 years old going through boyfriend's phones, yeah, maybe that was just me being 16 and, you know, insecure. But when I was 21 years old going through my boyfriend's phones, that should have been a red flag because that's not normal to have that level of distrust. It's not normal to feel like you need to go behind people's backs and do those things. And it was, I had an accumulation of those things, right? Like I would start these explosive fights with boyfriends and then we would make up or we would break up once every couple of months, have a big dramatic fallout and then get back together. Um, Another thing with borderline is splitting, which is basically when you, waffle back and forth between romanticizing the hell out of somebody and thinking they're an absolute god and everything to you in your world and then you devalue them and you no longer know if you're interested and you feel unsure and uncertain and sometimes you're even mean um i have definitely said some things in the past that i deeply regret putting 
my partner is down and that's something that you know I'll always have to live with and I'll always have to feel the guilt of and so I'm so conscious now when I'm in an argument with my partner to walk away when I feel those thoughts coming those mean thoughts I walk right away because I cannot let one of those escape my mouth and hurt the person I love but here's something really powerful you guys I was able to learn like today while I was sitting outside crying and processing I was able to learn something When I started those fights, when I started those explosive fights and I walked away and I ran out the door, that wasn't because I was a terrible person. Yes, it was toxic. Yes, it was borderline abusive to threaten to leave somebody. Not borderline abusive. It is abusive. But there was a reason I was doing that. I did not come out of the womb a terrible person. And I did not, and I shouldn't even say terrible person. I did not come out of the womb this type of person. I had experiences that molded me into the kind of person who struggles with these characteristics of borderline personality, this deep emptiness, this craving for chaos, this boredom when things are too stable and too good and too happy, this need to just shake it up so I can feel something, so I can feel alive because there's a deep emptiness that still lives within me even though I'm well into my recovery and I'm doing so much better and I'm understanding my emotions and I'm controlling my emotions and I'm having healthier and healthier and healthier relationships, I can't explain to you the friendships that have come into my life since I've made the big changes. About a year ago, when I made a rule to treat my friends exactly how I would want them to treat me at all times, And to also hold boundaries, you know, um, so that that can be mutual. I have manifested these beautiful friendships with aligned people. And I'm not friends with these people because I'm lonely and feeling so scared of being alone that I just need someone. No, I'm with these people because we have genuine interest shared and genuine similarities and you know, shared morals and beliefs and passions, and we have great times together. So, and above all, I don't abuse these people at all. I don't get mad at them when they don't text me back. I don't get upset if they have to cancel plans. I don't call them three times in a row because I'm annoyed. I don't do the shit that I used to do. And if you're still in that phase where you're doing that shit, I want you to know you can change and it's okay. And yeah, you may lose friends with that kind of energy. You probably will. It took me losing a lot of friends for me to realize how to be a healthy friend. And now one of the compliments I get most from people around me is, holy shit, Allison, this friendship is so healthy. Like, oh, my heart's getting warm because my mind's going to Kylie and Cassie and like, Allie and all of these beautiful souls that I've connected with recently and that's just what I've been hearing lately is this friendship feels so healthy and I feel like you hold a safe space for me and I feel like you ask about me a lot and I couldn't always say that you guys I barely had a single friend in high school because I did not know how to ask people about themselves okay I would walk up to somebody and say do you want to hear what I did this weekend Do you want to hear what I did my whole life? 
and I would never give anybody the chance to talk about themselves. And I didn't know this at the time, but that was because I had an intense hunger, an insatiable hunger for validation and for people to like me and think I was cool and think I was funny and interesting. And so I would tell stories and I would embellish them a little and I would tell them loud and I would tell them over and over again, desperately seeking friends. And you guys, you know what people really hate? You know what people hate more than anything? People who are trying too hard. Bamo. So guess who did not really have a super ton of close friends in high school? Um, this girl. But that's okay because at the time I wasn't really friend level. Um, I wasn't in a place to be a healthy, awesome friend. And so I went on to college and struggled a little bit there too because I was just coming to terms with my diagnosis but by the last year of college and the last two years since that I've been able to have really healthy relationships not just with my friends but with my partner for the first time ever all of my romantic relationships have been roller coasters and guess what it's been me I've been the common denominator and I'm empowered by saying that because I used to be the type to say my crazy ex My batshit ex, my ex who cheated, my ex who lied, my ex who didn't give me enough love, blah, blah, blah. You might know this narrative or you might know someone who tells you this narrative. It isn't the ex. The person who is blaming the other person, that's who we're looking at. The person who's not blaming anybody and who's like, yeah, it was mutual. Like we both needed to go our separate ways. That's the mature person. That's the person we strive to be, right, you guys, right? And so that's something I've been super feeling into the last year or so is if somebody asks me about my ex, I strive to say something like, yeah, you know, I'm not sure what they're up to, but I'm sure it's something awesome. You know, clearly I dated them for a reason. I thought they were great and I wish them all the best, whatever they're they're up to. And if people ask why we broke up, I try to keep it brief unless it's one of my very best friends because you just don't need to be airing dirty laundry out for everybody. And that is a characteristic that goes along with borderline personality disorder is trying to turn other people against somebody going around and saying, this person did me wrong, this person did me wrong, this person did me wrong as a way to try to get other people on your side and against them. Um, Yeah, that was one of the things that my psych my psychiatrist first used to diagnose my borderline was that that obsessive need to just turn people on whoever I was mad at it was like if we're mad at this girl like she's banished uh she's like banished like we don't mess with her and it's it's crazy because you know those mean girls in high school I feel like a lot of them struggle with borderline personality disorder because a lot of the traits line up I was kind of a mean girl in high school I was also bullied like crazy, but simultaneously a mean girl because that is possible, believe it or not. You know that saying about how hurt people hurt people? That saying, when you take it to heart, will change your whole life. Um, I've started saying that to myself every time somebody's petty to me or rude to me or just comes at me sideways for what seems like no reason. I just play that in my mind. Hurt people hurt people. If I did nothing wrong to piss this person off and they're just in a crabby, crabby mood, something is going on, right? Something is happening in their life. They're having a bad day. Maybe it's a family emergency for all I know. And so I'm not going to take it personally and I'm not going to overreact and I'm not going to flip the fuck out and start yelling at them because I don't know what they're going through and I know that hurt people hurt people. 
Now, I would also like to clarify, this is not a hall pass for hurt people to walk around hurting people. Just because you have a broken leg does not mean you get to walk around a hospital shooting everybody in the leg so that they all have a broken leg. Or I guess that's not even a broken leg. Maybe just like breaking their legs. I don't know, for the sake of the metaphor. Just because you are hurting does not give you the right to go around hurting others. And that is what I battled with for years and years with my borderline. I battled with feeling so empty, feeling so bored and so angry at the world because I didn't understand why I felt all of these things. And so I wanted other people to also be down on my level. When I was around positive people, it used to really trigger me because I thought, how the hell are you this happy? Somehow I have turned into one of those people, but back then I really did think, how the hell are these people happy? I was reading this psychology book and there was this statement, this phrase that I'll never forget, and it said, a person with borderline personality disorder is the emotional equivalent to a burn victim with burns on 100% of their body. Let that sink in, you guys, especially if you are struggling with borderline personality disorder. Your emotions are so exposed, and that is why you feel everything so heavily. That is why you feel your heart break every time something bad happens to anybody. That is why someone, you know, not responding enthusiastically and responding neutrally feels like a punch in the freaking face because your emotions are just so raw and so open and. You know, I do want to say really quick, because I know there are at least a couple of people listening who either struggle with borderline or love someone with borderline. There, as much as you need to recover and get better and, you know, stop the negative parts of borderline, there are also beautiful parts of you because of it. Your expressiveness, the way that you get so, so excited to see people, the way that people can feel like your favorite people in the whole world, how animated you are, how bubbly you can be, those things are really beautiful. And, you know, it's really easy to start hating yourself because of borderline, because it makes you do things that aren't necessarily your character and do things that you're ashamed of or regret sometimes. And it can be really easy to get sucked into this mindset of, I can hate the borderline away. I can hate myself out of it, but that's not the case. The only way to recover from borderline or to recover mentally in any way is to love yourself out of it, to radically, radically love yourself unapologetically. And above all, um, what's the word I'm looking for when you're not looking for love in return? Like selflessly, like agape love, like fucking agape love. Look it up. That is my favorite word. You've got to love yourself through this process because this process has a lot of lows and a lot of highs when you're recovering from something like borderline personality disorder or narcissist personality disorder or histrionic personality disorder or any personality disorder. It is a journey. And so you've got to have your own back through it and you've got to love yourself even though you do things sometimes that may not feel lovable. You have to give yourself permission to be a human. And you also have to remember that people without personality disorders, people who don't struggle mentally, also fuck up. They also have days where they're assholes. They also have days where they lash out or sneak a peek over their loved one's shoulder while they're texting. They are also humans. We are all humans. So it's important to not get so damn caught up 
in the label. And I know it's like, oh, it's the pot calling the kettle black because, you know, I really am into labels. But the reason that I am into owning my label as someone with bipolar one and with borderline is because I want to be a loud advocate. I was quiet for so long in my life. I was quiet for so long and I don't want to be anymore. I want to share my truth because I know there are people out there who feel like I felt alone and like a freaking alien sometimes seriously because your feelings feel so much different than other people's and it's almost like you're looking through the world with a different pair of glasses completely different lenses and you're trying to relate to people who see the world differently than you and see relationships and love differently than you i'd like to point out too that it's important to see a professional psychiatrist or psychologist or whoever you're able to see for a formal diagnosis because the thing with bipolar and borderline is they can pre- present very similarly. A person with borderline and a person bi- with bipolar may engage in things like reckless driving, unsafe sex, overspending, um, having highs and lows in confidence. But the difference is a person with bipolar experiences this only during mania, whereas a person with borderline may experience this all the time. And there's also an overlap where I think it's like 30% or so of people actually have both, which is the boat that I'm in, which is not a fun boat. It's a little canoe with like some freaking holes in it that I covered with duct tape, but we are getting through, okay? We are sailing the freaking sea like Christopher Columbus, guys. And so just in case anybody was listening to this episode and went, wow, that really resonated. I feel like I have some borderline tendencies. I'd like to look into this. Definitely see a psychiatrist or a psychologist and get the formal diagnoses because you want to know what you're treating, whether it's bipolar or borderline or both, because bipolar requires meds to balance the chemicals. Borderline requires a lot of talk therapy, DBT therapy, skills training. And if you have both, you're going to need a cocktail. You're going to be like me. You're going to need a cocktail of it all. And that's okay. You just want to be able to get the help that you need. I think it's also noteworthy that bipolar is one of those things that you either have or you don't kind of thing. And borderline is a spectrum. It's a sliding scale. So you can show a few symptoms of borderline personality disorder without necessarily having the personality disorder. Or you can show all of the signs and be more of an extreme case that requires you know, a lot more work to get towards a good prognosis. So um, in, in the workbook that I'm doing right now, for example, it has a list of 20 symptoms of borderline personality disorder. And this ranges from things like inappropriate intimacy to needing to be the center of attention to lying to um, XYZ, overspending, blah, blah, blah. And you circle all the ones that you have and out of the 20, I remember I had circled like 11 and then the next page it was like write how that makes you feel and I started writing well that makes me feel like shit I don't like that about myself blah 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 I turned the page and it says did you just start talking shit on yourself not in those words I'm paraphrasing but basically did you just put yourself down stop that we cannot go any further you will not take one more step forward until you stop looking down on yourself. These are facts. You struggle with these things. These are not final. These are just your present. And if you want to overcome them, you need to accept them as neutral things about you. Not necessarily things you like about yourself, but they are just things you struggle with. They are not bad. You are not evil. 
These are just things that you struggle with. The overspending, the needing attention, the validation cry for help, the wanting chaos. This does not make you evil, okay? If you are going around hurting people and abusing people, you you need help. You're sick and that's not okay. And honestly, yeah, if you're abusing people, that is a little evil, but you can change, okay? That's a hard one to talk about, um, especially with physical abuse, because in those situations, I really do think that an intervention needs to happen and help needs to happen right away. And the abused party needs to be able to get away safely. But that's kind of outside of the picture of what we're talking about right now. But back to what I was saying, a very common and recurrent mindset or like thought pattern for people with borderline personality disorder is black and white thinking or all or nothing thinking. It's also called Um, people who don't have BPD also struggle with this, but people with BPD struggle with this to extremes. And so when a situation comes up for a person with borderline, that can often be like black or white, the situation is all good, it's great, it's the best day ever, or it's the worst. I'm having the worst day of my life. You'll hear that a lot. I used to always say, this is the worst day of my life. And like something small had happened, but it was my brain and it is my brain stills inability to recognize that there's so much gray area and things are not all good or all bad. People are not all good or all bad. Jobs are not all good or all bad. Situations, you know, things that happen are not all good or all bad. In all good, there is bad, and in all bad, there is good. I probably should have said that reversed, but you get the point. There is yin and yang in everything. And I said yin and yang. (laughs) Yin and yang. I kind of like yang and yin and whatever. Sorry, it's it's getting to that point in the episode when I've been recording for a while by myself and I'm starting to get loopy. But it's like I was talking about earlier in the episode with this cycling, it's called splitting actually, where you go back and forth between I love this person, they're my world, to I can't stand this person. These are really, really difficult mindsets to break, but they must be broken because relationships with someone who has borderline personality disorder can be very turbulent and honestly unsafe for the other person unless that person with borderline is seeking the help that they need and trying to address these things in themselves and making those changes. I will say with all transparency because you guys, my mess is my message. Okay. So many people say that and I I concur. I agree. My mess is my message. I want to use the lessons that I'm learning and the experiences that I'm having and the mistakes that I'm making to help others, to be an advocate, to make people feel less alone, to show people there's hope and that change is so freaking possible. And so I want to be transparent with you guys and share the fact that I have been the toxic person in many, many relationships. Honestly, up until the relationship that I am in right this second, I have struggled deeply with projecting my insecurities onto my partner, with being needy, with being codependent, and with my partner that I'm currently with, for the first time, I'm finally learning these coping skills and how to self-regulate and how to, you know, ask if he has the capacity to listen before venting and how to make the relationship a partnership where we both show up and we both pour into each other instead of me just draining him the way that I've drained other people in the past. 
I don't want to use someone as floaties and push them underwater so I don't have to drown. I never want to go back to that. And I'm so lucky to have a partner who understands that sometimes I have bad days still. Some days I will get upset and worked up, but I've gotten to a point where I know what to do now. When I start feeling those intense, intense emotions bubbling to the surface, I get away. I go for a walk. I go outside. I stand on the porch. I breathe in the air. I go to my room. I hit a pillow. I go wherever I need to go, but I get away because I've realized that there are parts of my borderline that are still apparent and still evident that need to be right, that egoic, just like I have to have the last word kind of thing is still so deeply rooted in me. And I just know there are times that I have to walk away in an argument because I don't want to be emotionally abusive to my partner ever. I never want to be that person again. And I used to think that change wasn't possible. I used to look around and say, people never change. I would scream it from the rooftops. And I don't know why I had that limiting belief, but I did. And now that I am experiencing radical, radical change for myself, it couldn't be clearer. Change is possible. You can change. You can change so much. You can change into anything you want to be in this life. There are no limitations. There are no boundaries. You can make whatever changes feel good and make you the kind of person that you're proud to be instead of ashamed to be. So I guess that the whole entire point of this episode is, you know, a lot of people struggle with personality disorders. A lot of people struggle with mood disorders. And some people are in that raft that's uh, (laughs) fixed up with duct tape with me, the raft of people who have a mood disorder and a personality disorder, and that's okay because resources are available and recovery is possible and community is available and you feeling better and you living your best life is possible. You just need the extra help to get by and there's no shame in that, okay? If you're listening to this and you are borderline or bipolar or histrionic or antisocial or autistic or OCD or whatever it is, I want you to know you're not alone. And I want you to know that you are so deserving of love exactly as you are right now. You don't need to change all the way today to be worthy of love. If you are being mindful of other people and taking steps in the right direction and trying to change for the better, then you are doing more than enough. And you are so, so worthy of all of the love in the world. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. I love you so, so much. Make sure to keep up on Instagram and I'll see you next week. This has been Wishing You Wellness.